Rush into Old Navy today for up to 50% off store-wide. Get dresses from $15 for women, $12 for girls, plus up to 75% off clearance for the whole family right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1016 to 1020, select styles only. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Locked on Cavaliers podcast. As always, I'm Chris Manning, your host from Fear the Sword and the Step Back. Today, Trevor Magnotti is the guest. He is, of course, a writer from Fear the Sword and the Step Back, where he writes about the Cavs, the NBA Draft, EuroLeague, and just general basketball miscellany, a potpourri of stuff from Trevor. But he is on today's show to help me break down the Cavs' summer league roster. That is highlighted by Kay Felder, the second-year point guard from Oakland who really made his mark in the D-League for Cleveland last year with the Canton Charge, and Eddie Tavares, who was the D-League Player of the Year with the Raptors 905 before signing with the Cavs on the last day of the season. He was originally a draft pick of the Atlanta Hawks before ending up with the Raptors 905, which, uh, funnily enough, was coached by one Jerry Stackhouse. Trevor and I covered basically everybody on the Cavs' roster that will be in Vegas. The Cavs' first game is Friday at 7.30, I believe, against the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, the roster that we talked about it was missing two names. Um, one was Malcolm Thomas, who played in China last year and is a 6'9 forward who I, I think probably doesn't have a great chance of making the team. And then the other player is Sir Dominic Pointer, who the Cavs took in the 2015 draft, but have never actually signed, and he played in Israel last year. So the names to watch, in my opinion, Andrew White, Eddie Tavares, Kay Father. we talk about those three guys, and um, Gerald, uh, Roosevelt Jones is a guy that I am a fan of as well, but... I wouldn't expect him to play. You can see the full schedule over at FearTheSword.com and look at uh, Summer League and get the lowdown on there. Um, in other news for the Cavs before we talk to Trevor, Richard Jefferson will be back. That is good for the Cavs. I think they would have had a hard time replacing him, as crazy as that sounds. No word on some of the other free agents or anything in that regard. But James Jones may retire, which I think could be a blow for the Cavs. Um, he is a veteran locker room presence, and the expanded rosters sort of make it more justifiable to keep a guy like that around. But he may retire. They'll be fine without him. He's, again, not going to play, but you might miss that veteran leadership in the locker room in some way. And in other Cavs news, Udonis Haslam, longtime Miami Heat veteran, wants to stay in Miami, but per Tim Reynolds of the AP, he is on the Cavs' radar screen. A conversation will maybe happen. This could be viewed from the Cavs' perspective as trying to replace that James Jones influence. At this point in his career, Haslam is not someone you can really bank on to play any real minutes on your team. But we'll see what ends up happening there. He, he's been with the Heat for a long, long time. It'd be a little bit of a shocker for him to come to Cleveland just because uh, of what he brings in Miami and, and how long he's been there, but um, anything is possible. And uh, most importantly, Deion Waiters is going back to Miami in a Deion update. Uh, four years, $52 million for him. And one Cavs target, Zach Randolph, um, if you didn't see this the other day, is now going to the Sacramento Kings. So uh, 
some of the Cavs' targets. We don't know who else they're exactly going to go after yet. We don't know about Chetty or Derek Williams or some of these other guys. The Cavs still have only 12 guys on their roster. That's up to five spots to fill. And we'll see what they do. Uh, maybe some of the guys on the roster could compete for those two-way contracts that will that are available under the new CBA. I think the, uh, Andrew White in particular, as Trevor and I both talked about, it, is a prime candidate for that. But without further ado, here's myself, Trevor Magnotti, talking about the Cavs' summer league roster. Tomorrow, Jordan Zerm will be the guest. He is of, formerly of Stack Media, and he's written for Complex and Bleacher Report, amongst other sites. We'll be talking about more Cavsy stuff on Friday. Summer League recap will be up over at thesword.com this weekend as well. But here's Trevor and me talking about the Summer League and a roster highlighted by Kay Felder and Eddie Tavares. You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. And we're here on the Locked On Cavaliers podcast. Trevor, man, what's going on? Hey, how's it going? Uh, we're going to, listeners out there, take a break from listening to and diving into some of the chaos of the Cavs right now. There, there's enough of that that we've covered on this pod and on FearTheSword.com. So we're going to talk about something that's more fun. One of the most fun parts of the year, um, in my opinion, it's Summer League. And it's a time to get excited about young players. The Cavs, of course, don't have a lot of them, but they have two and maybe perhaps three or four that could be worth watching. Trevor, are you going this year? Uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to make it. Um, I had some issues with uh, credentialing stuff, so um, I'm going to be mostly watching from home. But, yeah, still really excited. Um, really excited that the Cavs actually seem to be trying at Summer League this year. Last year they brought really kind of a a pretty a pretty bad team. Um, they, they had Kay Felder, Jordan McRae, and basically a bunch of guys who were kind of at the end of the bench for the Canton charge and didn't really offer much um, in terms of like NBA potential this year, they've actually probably got like four or five guys who, um, who probably have some kind of NBA role in their future. Um, so really excited, really excited to see them um, and get a chance to talk about some of these guys. Yeah, we're going to, there's a lot of them I'm excited to kind of get into as well. Um, one that I think we differ on opinions a little bit, which is which is kind of different because uh, typically you and I have agreed on prospects for whatever reason. I uh, don't know, really know why that is. Probably because you influence my draft takes uh, immensely. But uh... yo, everybody get up! Everybody get up! Everybody needs to understand that I'm more than simply a hype man for this rap group. Just like Geico is more than just a company that can save you money. Geico also has fast and friendly claim service, so they can help you when you need it most. And while I do love being a hype man, I also love reading for children's audiobooks. Like Little Bo Peep, she lost the sheep, and she don't know where to find them. Yo! Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. The, the guy we're going to start with is Kay Felder. I think he, to me, is the highlight of this roster because I think, in the context of what the Cavs have done, he this to me seems like an important 
Um, event for him. It seems like he has a chance to sort of prove himself a little bit. It's a chance for him to make his name a little bit. And it's mostly because I, I think the Cavs signing Jose Calderon on the first day of free agency tells us a little bit about what they think of him right now. And it's hard to say exactly who thinks what, just because it's Altman and Dan Gilbert as of right, as we recorded this, making the decisions. And it's just hard to exactly know. I just, but you also got to think if those two guys, or at least Gilbert would have liked what they saw enough out of Felder. And it's again, hard to say how much Gilbert in particular really knows about Felder that they might not have signed Calderon. I also don't, I also think they could have waited to sign Calderon until after summer league. It's not like the, the market for him was was pressing um and but I think Felder it's I, I think they're gonna give Calderon the first shot at that backup job it wouldn't shock me if at some point if Felder performs well here and then performs well in the fall in, in training camp that he steals the job or at least makes it closer early on with a chance to sit later on in the season yeah I mean I, th- I think the thing with this whole this whole deal is they wanted to they wanted to pick up veterans they you know, or look, obviously looking at guys who are going to be incredibly cheap. And given that, you know, many people thought that Calderon was probably headed for, you know, maybe a stint in Spain, um, he he definitely was available. I also don't really agree with the, the quickness that this move came, but I kind of get the, get the rationale behind it. Um, you know, Felder didn't really show anything at the NBA level last year. Um, he did a really good job. Um, in that last late stint with uh, with Canton, um, when he was basically just pouring in thirty points every night, um, but you know NBA wise, he didn't really show us much um, and didn't really progress much throughout the season. So you know, I get the idea of grabbing Calderon, bringing him in. He probably is working the the start of the season, um, getting a majority of the backup one minutes, um, and then you know you can make the decision to get rid of him. It's a very cheap deal. They can waive him pretty easily um, if needed. Or, you know, given his age and his history, Calderon could just get hurt, and that could create the uh, create the rot, or the spot for Felder to play um, when he's a little bit more ready. So, you know, I don't hate the move. Um, I don't I don't think it's the best that the Cavs could have made. But again, you know, considering the situation, the fact that they're able to able to accomplish anything at this point is pretty impressive. Yeah. Felder, what do you want to see out of him in, in Summer League? I think the biggest thing for uh, for Felder is going to be looking at his looking at his defense. Um, just, be, just because that was one of the things when I was there last year that I immediately picked up watching him. Um, he, right away in last year's Summer League, was the Cavs' uh, Summer League roster's best defensive player. Um, he was, he was able to make a lot of really good decisions, um, didn't really get overwhelmed athletically and really looked like he would, he understood the game. Um, and I, I think that, you know, that, that stuff's all very important for him. Um, he's not going ever going to be able to compete athletically on the defensive end. So he's got to be able to show a lot of effort, a lot of intensity and a lot of, understanding of being in the right position. That's how he's going to be playable at the NBA level. Um, so, you know, I want to see that progress um, in, in, in particular. I'm not going to get too bogged down on, on his shot. Um, that's one of the things. If you're going to watch Summer League, do not pay attention to percentages of makes and misses. Um, it's, it's one of the things that people get, people get caught up in year after year. 
um, particularly with guys like Felder, who are supposed to be these offensive creators and shooters. Um, they come in and they don't shoot well in summer league and people hold that against them. You're not really looking at how well they're shooting because a lot of that comes with like familiarity and, you know, obvi- obviously not many of these guys have ever played, ever played in at UNLV's court, much less, you know, playing the regularly to be able to develop a lot of rhythm. Plus they're playing with all new teammates. They're barely playing a functional uh, offense. Like makes and misses aren't really what I'm looking for. It's more, can Felder be able to get himself into positions to be able to take good and smart shots within the offense? Um, He was able to do that in the NBA last year. That was probably one of his bigger strengths um, is that he was able to, he was able to find himself opportunities to get shots up when he was playing with the, um, with the Cavs. So I think, I think that, you know, if he's able to command a lot of, uh, a lot of attention on the offensive end and still able to create a lot of good looks um, for himself and his teammates, that's going to be good. So it's really, it's really kind of some of those nuanced things that I'm looking for with Felder um, more looking towards his decision-making and also um, kind of his positioning and understanding of defense. I, I would agree with the defense part, especially. I think for me, the big thing is going to be his turnovers. And I don't know. I think this probably falls into an extent with the the shot, just because it is new teammates. And like the, I, he, you know, he maybe has practiced with Eddie Tavares, but he hasn't played with really anybody else that's going to be on this team. There, there is a certain comfort factor that that has to matter. Um, it's you know, Damon Jones is coaching this, which is a is amazing, and b. Like, it's just going to be a different feel for him. It's not going to be like Phil Handy, who I know works... I, I know Damon Jones works with Kay Felder. Phil Handy is, like, like, the guy that's scrimmaging with him before games. Is the guy that's kind of been the, the, the big development guy for point guards in the Cavs, really, the last couple of years. Um, he's been really helpful with Kyrie, in, you know, in particular. So, I don't want to hold turnovers against him too too much, but, like, the one thing that I thought he struggled with in Ken, especially early on, and maybe that's the the turnovers. Maybe that's just because his usage rate was so high. His assist to turnover ratio, and it particularly just where he'd make some, just have a number of turnovers. I think could have been avoided. Like just making the wrong read, getting himself too deep into the lane. Because especially in the D League, you can see that he's fast enough to get around guys. That he has the ability to get into the lane and to create his own shot. It's just going to be, I think, if he can take care of the ball on the second unit, that's enough. And I like. I mean, I don't. I, I've been thinking about this a lot. Like, Delhi almost set, like, the perfect example of what the Cavs want out of a backup point guard, and, and neither Calderon or da- even Darren Williams or Felder could can really replicate that. But there has to be some version of that role that he can fill, and I I think he can do it, but I think if he has a good summer league performance in terms of just, I, like you wrote in the article, um, leading the offense, taking control of the offense, and just kind of being the stabilizing presence, that would go a long way for him. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, obviously being able to create some looks off ball is going to be important, too, because that's that's another another part of this. That's some place that Darren Williams really struggled um, at times last year was, you know, the Cavs have LeBron. They have Kyrie Irving. They have guys to handle the ball and they have guys to initiate. The backup point guard needs to be able to create open or be able to hit open shots when they're created for him and be able to find ways to get open around them to be able to create space. Um, And that's something that, you know, I was impressed with how 
well Felder was able to do that in his couple stretches of really good play um, for the Cavs. Like in, in January, I remember that Hornets game that he had that was really good. Um, he was consistently, you know, moving well off ball, communicating well in the offensive end, wasn't really handling it a lot, but was creating some pretty solid looks. And he ended up having one of his better games of the year with the Cavs. Um, so really that type of, that's kind of where, he needs to be able to fill in gaps um, because he's not going to be able to just line up 30 feet from the basket and run spread, pick and roll um, the whole time when he, when he's up uh, in the NBA. Um, so, you know, I think, I think that he'll be able to, he'll be able to show a little bit of that too. The Cavs do have a couple other ball handlers on this roster, which is nice. Um, so Felder doesn't have to be the only guy that's initiating the offense. Um, so that's that's an area that I think we could potentially see him growing in a little bit as well um, is just kind of that off that off ball role um, and how well he's able to create shots without the ball in his hands. I think that's really important. I think it'd be interesting to see how he cuts and just kind of moves because he, when he was with Ken, um, you know, he the, he didn't play with Quinn Cook very often. But when he did, like, he did do, I think, okay off the ball. Like, he looked more comfortable with it than I would have guessed based on his track record in college and, and what he was doing in other situations, right? Um, but I think, like, I think that, that I don't know if you would agree, if you agree with this, but that, that to me, now that you kind of say that, to me, that seems like the most important thing he could do here is just sort of look comfortable doing that and being able to to get those type of shots. Because the turnover stuff will matter, but it's hard to know against summer league competition, right? Um, it's hard to know that you're shut. You point out there, I think just like how comfortable he looks in these different roles and being a chameleon to the degree, a, a guy that is five, nine and is going to be limited in some ways can be that that's going to be the key for him. It's just, can he do these few different things that make him versatile enough to be playable at least during the regular season? Cause I, I don't think even if he hits all of his benchmarks, I have a hard time seeing him actually, you know, being able to stay on the floor for more than a couple minutes against the Warriors in the finals next year. But that's getting definitely a little bit ahead of ourselves. But I, just the chameleon aspect of what he would need to do, something Delhi did really well, um, would be would be important. Yeah, I, th- I think that, you know, if he's coming out here and he's scoring 25 points a game in summer league, you know, that's great. Obviously, you know, that clicked for him a little bit in, in Canton, just the, you know, without the athleticism gap. Um, and the, in the size gap, um, he's able to, you know, play a little bit more to his style, but if he comes out and he has a, he's averaging like, you know, 13 points, like three rebounds and like six assists a game. Um, that's, that's fine too, because it shows, it shows that, you know, he's finding ways to impact the game outside of just taking the ball off the dribble, um, and tr- trying to score out of the pick and Let's move on to Eddie Tavares, uh, and this is the guy, as I alluded to, that you and I are going to have a little bit of a different opinion on. I think he could be the team's backup center this year. I, I do think there are some things we'll have to get better on, but I do like the the odds of him. Um, I do think there are things, again, he'll have to improve on. He's non guaranteed for next year. He's going to struggle on offense a little bit. He's not the most mobile guy, but I, I think he could eat minutes. Um, and after this, I kind of want to ask you some, cause you and I've talked about this or maybe as Trevor as well, or Carter as well, but what do you, what do you think of Tavares? Like he was the D league defensive player of the year. He's, he's very big. Um, what, what do you, what do you make of him right now? And what do you think he has to prove at summer league? Um, you know, I, I, I don't know that he's good. Um, I, I just, I just think that, you know, yeah, he was the defensive player of the year, but a lot of that comes with. There's not a whole lot of seven three guys in the D, in the D League. 
He uh, he was also on what might be the most well coached team. Raptors nine hundred five um, was a very very well coached team. Jerry Stackhouse did a really really good job, and they had just a lot of solid guys that were there. Like Van Fleet played down there a lot, and and you know Van Fleet at the D League level is especially good, even if he's not like a great NBA player. Yeah, yeah. So you know he. Uh... You know, he's able to block a lot of shots. He was able to get a lot of good finishing looks um, in, at that level. A lot of that comes from the fact that he's so much bigger than everyone else there. Um, and he does have de- he does have decent mobility. Um, he does have uh, decent touch around the rim. Um, so th- those things all work to his favor. At the NBA level, I really don't know that he's going to be the same type of defender. Um Particularly, he's really bad against the uh, pick and roll, um, just defending in space because footwork isn't that good. Um, so I don't, I don't really know that that's actually going to translate when he's, you know, isolated thirty feet from the basket against like a Paul George or someone like that, like trying to make that stop. Like I don't know that he's going to be able to stay in front of of NBA guards and wings. Um, I think I think that the rebounding is going to translate pretty well. Um, he he does have pretty good understanding positioning. His instincts seem to be pretty good. And obviously the length helps a lot. Um, I think that he's going to be a decent finisher. Um, although it's going to be more in kind of the Tristan Thompson role where he's not really finishing out of the pick and roll. It's more kind of like dump offs, um, off, off of drives that he's getting a lot of his looks on. Um, you know, I, I think that you're, you're right to an extent that they can definitely feed him minutes. And I think that he, I think that he's going to be fine. Um, be, being able to take like you know maybe ten minutes a ge- minutes a game to let Tristan have a breather. I don't think that he's somebody that can be a hundred percent relied upon. And I do still want I do still want to see someone brought in on a minimum deal, particularly um, some some kind of veteran that can also help strengthen that backcourt. I just don't think that you can come in to a season with uh, Tristan Thompson and Edie Tavares as your only fives. Just be just because otherwise you're going to end up with an over reliance on Thompson again. We saw in the playoffs that as that wore on, that is beginning to be, become a problem. They can't just stick with him for the entirety of the regular season. And I don't know that Tavares is going to be good enough that he's going to be able to step in and p- perform that role consistently. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I do think if there there is a, a need for the Cavs right now, backup center would be one of them. Uh, just, or at least just getting another another big, maybe someone who's a little bit more versatile. I don't like love the Zebo the Zebo idea personally. I don't. I just just don't. Are there any other guys out there right now that you think um, would make some sense? Obviously, besides Joe Freeman, who's obviously coming back to the NBA and is going to be very very in demand. Yeah, that that's been a fun one to kind of enlighten Cavs fans on how good he, how good he actually is um, <laughs> throughout the day, uh, but. You know, there. That's the that's the thing I was talking about a little bit yesterday on Twitter. There is a the market for backup fives has never been more uh, diluted. Um, it's it's ne- or saturated rather. It there's never been this quality of quality and quantity of backup centers around. And legitimately, the Cavs are probably the only team in the league that has a need at a backup center. They're going to be able to get somebody who's really good for his role um, for very cheap. A guy, a name that I really like, Black for the, uh, who played for the Lakers, 
he's going to be available probably on a minimum deal because no one is going to ha- no one really has a need for his skill set and he's a really strong energy guy really decent really decent defensive player really good finisher um so I like him a lot. Mike Mascala is out there for Atlanta. He's really good as a backup five. He probably could be had for a, for a pretty cheap contract. Um, and you know, you know, there's there's just a t- there's just a ton of those t- those types of players out there. I mean, I'm writing something on summer league previews um, for pretty for pretty much every team right now. And you know, the number of fours and fives that I'm highlighting is is not insignificant. There are plenty of guys out there who they could pick, who they could pick up, and they don't have to replace Tavares by any means. But you know, they could pick up as kind of a hedge against Tavares being not ready, because um, you know he's he's still pretty raw. Um, so yeah, I, I like the I like those guys. There's a couple other guys kind of floating out there that are probably going to come available, um, and you know that's something that as we approach probably like maybe Ju- maybe July seventh, eighth, ninth. Um, and we actually get into summer league, that that's when those deals are going to start to go and the Cavs are going to be able to get a strike on a pretty good player if they're paying attention. Yeah, I uh, I, I mostly agree with everything you're saying. I think Blackwood, Blackwood probably be at the top of my list right now. I think Mascala, like the restricted part just becomes tricky. I also think you just probably want to try to get someone you get mm-hmm. on a minimum, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like you just don't want to like use that taxpayer mid level, um, and and that's that's a problem. My you're this shouldn't surprise you or anyone who knows me at all, but I'm gonna st- I'm gonna cape from Rusendor yeah. forever, like forever. Like I he's versatile, can play the four and the five, can shoot the three a little bit. Uh, I think you want someone who is a little bit more like modern than Tavares because Tavares is like a very traditional seven foot plotting center like that's what he is that has value like you could use that against certain teams you know teams that have multiple bigs um and maybe especially if you have like a tristan got hurt like you would need someone to fill that type of role but you probably want someone who maybe can run a little bit and can be a little bit more switchable in this nba and considering the context of what the Cavs actually need on their yeah team. definitely they don't need somebody who's going to be they don't need somebody who's going to be able to come in and haul 20 minutes um they don't need somebody who's going to be asked to you know be a floor spacer at the, at the five, they've already got one of those. They've got Cheney Fry. Um, so there's, there's plenty of, you know, all of those guys who just got drafted in the latter half of the first round, they're replacing a lot of equity, um, in the backup center market. And they're creating a lot of guys without jobs and without really a place to go next in their career. The Cavs could definitely snatch one of those guys up, um, and, you know, get a, get a really good player, um, basically taking, uh, or basically by exploiting a market inefficiency. Last guy we're going to dive deep into um, is a Syracuse product. It's a guy that you're going to know a lot more about than me just because I, I never watch a ton of college basketball. It's Andrew White. Um, I believe he's 24 years old. He played at, I think, Kansas as well as Syracuse. Um, but, you know, was, a I think, second or third team all ACC last year. He's a bit. He's. I think he's long. If I if I understand the right, but he's twenty four. What just for people that maybe have not seen him play at all or just watched his DX video, what what is who is Andrew White and why is he someone that could be worth watching, particularly if he plays well in Las Vegas? You know, I think I think the bi- the biggest thing is he's got legitimate NBA size for the wing. He's six seven. I think his wingspan's around six nine. Um, so he's got he's got pretty good size. Um, 
the big thing for me is, you know, we talk a lot about guys who are potential shooters um, at the college level, and it's very, it's very much a crapshoot whether they translate or not. And a lot of that comes from kind of the small sample sizes that we see. You may see a, a 40% three-point shooter um, in, the, in the college game, but maybe they shot only like 120 attempts, which is not enough to really get a good gauge of, of how good they actually are. Um, Andrew White does not have that problem because he shot 40.1% from three on 279 attempts, which I think was the most in the NCAA last year, or at least it was, it was definitely most among power five guys. Um, he's a, he's a legitimate floor spacer. He can catch and shoot at an elite level. He did so on volume at Syracuse last year. Um, he, he basically, you know, he basically was the number one scorer for Syracuse's offense. So think about the amount of attention that that garners. And he was averaged 18.5 points per game, basically just coming off of screens and um, and attacking off of catch-and-shoot opportunities. Um, he, of the undrafted guys, he's probably the one who has the highest likelihood of becoming a legitimate rotation player because of his shooting. Um, there are some issues with him. Basically, the fact that he kind of has a little bit of a JaVale McGee brain. He doesn't really he doesn't really have a great understanding and great feel for the game. Um, so that's something that definitely needs to get needs to get figured out for him to have that role. But you know, I th- I think that he's a guy that's bounced around a lot, but still has a couple of NBA skills. Um, I think he's, I think he's just flat out going to be a guy that you need to take a, take a flyer on. And I think that, I think that, you know, I think that he's going to come in, he's going to be able to knock down a few shots. He's going to consistently get open, um, for this Cavs summer league team. And I think, I think that he's a guy that's definitely, definitely worth taking a, taking a shot on the chances of him actually working out and becoming a rotation player for the Cavs is very minimal, but you know, he's, you got to take a chance on those guys when you can basically get them for free, which is what uh, he would be on a two-way contract. So, you know, I would expect to see him come in and um, play pretty well in summer league, and I would expect him to come out out of summer league with a training camp deal and potentially one of those two-way contract spots um, to go down to Canton and then potentially be brought up to the uh, to the Cavs next year. Yeah, I like the idea of him being a, a two-way guy. I think he he fits the type of guy I would go um, go for. Just like the the switchable, the long defensive guy that has some have some athletic upside. That that's kind of thing if you're the Cavs, like what you have to go for. Like that is the type of guy you should be targeting. Um, is there anybody else on this team? There's a couple can charge guys, Gerald Beverly and roosevelt jones two guys i think are fine they're not they're not the guys i think are that were nba quality like eric moreland's a guy i think who's i think playing in orlando for summer league right now are guys i think are good i understand why they don't have the Cavs don't have moreland on this team if they have Tavares. um chetty Osman could be in the team we don't know yet you know if he's going to sign or when he would sign that could bring him over uh, tj williams is, is one of the other guys on the team it doesn't i don't know if the, the if we have the full team announced yet like I, the Cavs haven't announced it as far as um, I know, but is there anybody else that who we know is going to be on the team right now that you think is worth yeah, paying attention to? I, de- I definitely to? think there's a there's a couple more guys. Like I said at the beginning, um, they they brought in probably I, I have five guys that I think have have some kind of NBA future. Um, 
you know, they, they did bring in a fair amount of Canton charge guys. Uh, Beverly is basically a backup for Canton. Um, and then Roosevelt Jones, I really, I really like him. His game's awesome, but he's six, four and basically playing power forward. So, um, yeah, that that's the problem. And like he's he is good. Like he made a huge impact on Canton last year. It's one of the reasons why they were so good in the in the in the now G League. Um he's just like not his his game doesn't translate like in a very yeah, no, functional no way. way. But um I really like Brandon Paul, um who was uh Chetty Osman's teammate at uh Ephesus last season. Uh played at Illinois in college, um floated around the D League a little bit. Um for for a couple of years, but landed um landed in at FS and was basically their uh was basically their third guard um co- coming off the bench behind to- behind Tomas Hortel um who play who plays for the French national team um Paul is a really good um really good off the dribble creator really good volume scoring guard at that level um he he did a really nice job getting the rim um was able to create some nice nice opportunities had pretty good at, uh chemistry on the offensive end with Oz, with Osman on kind of driving kick stuff um really never really never developed or earned starters minutes just because he really struggled with kind of the rigidity and the the discipline needed to be even a functional Euro- European defensive player um but you know he he's another guy that's really good creating in an in an up tempo system, and I think that he's more of an more of an NBA type guy than a than a Euro League type guy, um, basically because he is a little bit he is a little bit soft, um, and he's bet he's better when he can basically focus on his on the offensive part of his game. Um, you know I I really I really like him, um, and I think that I think that he's got some kind of future potentially as an NBA player. Um, I do think that Grant Jarrett also has an NBA shot. Um, he played for the charge for a little bit at the beginning of last season before signing a Chinese league deal. Uh, he was drafted back in 2013, um, and kind of flamed out of the league with the, with the thunder and the jazz. Um, but he was insanely young coming out of Arizona. So, you know, he's, he's basically, you know, a summer league veteran. I think this is his third runaround in, in summer league, but he's only 23, um, so I think that I think that he's got enough of the skill set as as like a like a face up scorer and a and a passer at the four um, that he could have an NBA future. It's probably not with the Cavs just because you know the Cavs don't really have a need for that type of player. Um, but I think I think that he definitely could be um, he definitely could have an NBA future. So you know I definitely think Paul Jarrett White Felder and Tavares have some kind of NBA um, shot in their future. The rest of these guys like Casey Prather, TJ Williams, um, Sam Cassell Jr. Who's basically only here because Sam Cassell and Tyron Lue coach together with the Clippers. Um, I, th- I think that all those guys are kind of competing more for camp and charge and D league spots. Um, and it, and it's more, it's more that, that five, some, um, along, along with maybe TJ Williams. That is, I, uh, that's actually has some kind of NBA future. That all makes sense. Is there a last thing? Is there one team out there whose summer league roster that you've seen so far that you really like? Um, that you're looking forward I've to enjoyed watching, watching Indiana so far just because they have they have so many fun bigs. Um, they're playing in the Orlando summer league, um, and you know they've got they've got Ike Anabogu. Um, they've got I uh, 
they've got Augusto Wima, who played really well in, in uh, the European game. Ben Moore, who's probably my favorite undrafted free agent, um, 6'8", power forward from SMU, who's like basically basically a poor man's Tristan Thompson, and I actually mean that rather than just throwing it around for a four who's undersized and can't shoot. Um, he's, he actually has that type of kind of switchability and defensive acumen, so he's really fun. Um, as far as as far as far Las Vegas guys um, or Las Vegas teams, I'm probably going to roll with Houston. Um, they've, they've just got so, so many guys that they're taking flyers on that I like. Um, they're, they've got um, Chino Unwaku, who it was a really fun player for the Rio Grande Valley uh, G League team last year. Um, Isaiah Hartenstein and George DePaula, um, who are both international rookies, um, who should be good. And of course, they're bringing over Zhuki, um, who is the, the Chinese player from the 2016 draft. Um, really interested to see if he's actually like a NBA level player, um, because I, re- I really think that you know that's that's kind of a question um, with with those chi- with the Chinese league guys, but Houston's roster is just really really fun, really quirky. Um, so I'm interested to see um, see how how they look. Um, that and also you know we have to we have to watch our old pal Jack Cooley one last time. I just I just put together today. This is his fifth straight summer league. He played with the Cavs I think in 2015. And uh, came in. He was in training camp during the Tristan Thompson holdout, and we had that nice little run of people th- saying, "Well, why don't they, why don't they just let Tristan go and sign Jack Cooley? He's basically the same player." Um, so, uh, really excited to kind of to see him one last time in summer league. Try to get an NBA contract. I do actually like his game a lot. Um, so he's playing for Sacramento. Um, so yeah, those would be who to watch. Um, couple couple old friends. Um, couple interesting players. Um, you can you can find fun stuff on any summer league team. That's kind of the fun of it. Um, there's just so many guys from so many different backgrounds that um, you're, you you can find something that you like if you pay attention hard enough. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, Cavs should be fun. Felder, Tavares, and the crew should be fun. Damon Jones as a coach to me is is fantastic. Trevor, yeah, thanks so much for coming on to break this down with us. Uh, give Trevor a follow at Illegal Screens. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode of Locked on Cavs. This has been Chris Manning, been Trevor Magnotti. You have a good one.